Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Rob Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Rob is a best-selling author, former F-16 fighter pilot, Air Force One advanced agent, world-renowned keynote speaker and corporate trainer who's trained Fortune 500 companies around the world, executive coach, father of four, and the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Now, here is Rob Schallenberger. All right, well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners wherever you are in the world today. (laughs) This podcast is going to be a little bit different, and it was sparked by a question when I was in uh, a large city earlier this week with one of our executive coaching clients. And so that's going to be the focus of this podcast, and it's really on great leaders are what produce great results. Now, when I say leader, think about this. Who's a leader? It's a mother. It's a father. What are you trying to do with your children? You're trying to lead them and show them what success looks like. It could certainly be a manager. Of course, that's a leader. Uh, Do you have to have a title to be a leader? Well, no. Think about some of the people who you've known throughout your life. And at some point, some of the best leaders may not ever have had a title, yet automatically people look to them to make decisions. They look to them to make decisions. Important decisions that would affect either a community, a team. Gandhi's a great example. No title. Yet Gandhi is the one who transformed an entire nation without a title. He was a leader that people look to for guidance. So everybody listening to this podcast is a leader in some format or another. And that leads to the next question, which is what makes then a great leader? What sets apart great leaders from everyone else? Why do you have a team in certain cases where You'll go through CEO after CEO or manager after manager, and nobody can seem to figure it out. And then one person comes along and totally transforms that team or organization. What's different about that one person? Well, as most of our listeners know, 40 years ago, 40 years, (laughs) my dad started asking this question, which is, what are the common factors of leadership, of great leaders? What are the common factors of high achievers? In other words, what is it that sets them apart from everyone else? What are their habits? What do they live by? What do they do differently? And I joined him in that research about a decade ago. And we started asking the question during interviews and reading books, what sets you apart? Tell us about your habits. And over and over, people would respond with the 12 principles. It's be true to character. It's first they would develop a vision, and then they would go after it with a plan. They learned how to prioritize their time to focus on what matters most. They never gave up. And so over and over, it's these 12 principles of highly successful leaders that makes the difference, that sets apart great leaders from mediocre leaders. And it's interesting, just after a large seminar uh, with a bank that everyone would recognize, their senior vice president came up and said, you know what I realized today is that there's not a single silver bullet of leadership. And he's exactly right. In other words, it's not just one single thing that creates a great leader. You could have a leader with a very clear vision, whether it's in a family or whether it's in a business. Yet, if they are a poor communicator and can't communicate effectively, not going to work. You could have the greatest communicator in the world. They could have peace and balance in their lives. They could treat everyone right. But if in the shadows of their life, they violate principle number one, be true to character, their world's going to collapse on them eventually. It's all going to come crumbling down. So you've got to have these different parts in play. And that's what leads to success. 
So how do these 12 principles apply to you? Well, think about this. Are you trying to raise children successfully? Have a happy marriage. If you're a manager, how do you help your employees work together to do far more than they thought they were capable of? And personally, how can you achieve the impossible? And when I say the impossible, I'm talking about the things that others, and maybe even in our own minds, we don't believe we could achieve. And it's amazing to watch teams do this. I see it all the time. They say, yeah, this is what we've done. This is our best ever. And the reality is they can go so much further once they have a little shift in mindset and skill set. And that's when transformation truly happens. It's both a mindset and a skill set. And that's what the 12 principles do. They arm people individually with the right mindset and they give us the skill set to be able to have that transformation to achieve your dreams and to become a great leader and high achiever. Now, in the spirit of this podcast, we're going to go back to the quote that we always start our seminars with and many of you would be familiar with if you've listened to the podcast or been or attended a seminar. And that is, good, better, best. Never let it rest till the good is better and the better is best. (laughs) In other words, never being satisfied with where we are today and asking ourselves, how can you do better today than yesterday? What would be the impact if everyone on your team started thinking that way? How do they take where they are today and make it better? How about as a husband or a wife? How do we become a better spouse today than we were yesterday? And with that mindset, then the skill set becomes hugely valuable. But if we don't have that hunger, that thirst to get better, the skill set really doesn't do anything for us, does it? I mean, think about that. If you have someone who says, you know what, I'm fine the way I am. You know what, no, I'm good to go. Well, then how in the world do they get better, let alone to their best? And this brings us then to why we're doing this particular podcast with one of our executive coaching clients, a very large organization that every single person on this podcast would recognize. Uh, They've been doing this now for about eight months in their organization. It's been awesome in many different ways. Uh, Some of their managers are just off the charts in the success that they've had in the last few months. However, there's one or two managers that recently wrote an email to this business leader and said, you know, we've gone through the 12 principles once, now what? And that, in and of itself, is a troubling question because in the spirit of good, better, best, this is a lifelong quest. We don't simply master the 12 principles overnight. You have a high achiever or a great leader. This didn't just happen overnight. It's taken sweat equity to really start to make these happen. It also takes humility, realizing that, you know what? Maybe we do need to do better in that particular area, and no one else is going to do this for us. You need to be the person who initiates it. Now, here's a question for you. How are you going to master the 12 principles? If you have a team or a family or children, how are you going to help them master the success principles? Well, that's why we created the success rhythm to help take the work out of it so all you need to do is simply do it. And that's focusing on one principle a week. And asking, what can you do individually or as a team this week that would help you get a little bit better in that principle? So this makes it bite-sized. You know, imagine an elephant. If you're eating an elephant, you can't eat the whole thing in one setting. But if you're just taking a bite a day, before you know it, weeks, months have gone past, you finish the elephant. And it's not overwhelming. People can get their hands around it. And over and over, I've had different people say, finally something that we can do that can be really be sustainable over the long term and change behavior and change results and have a huge impact on the ROI as well as happiness and success in the home. And that's why it's called the success rhythm rather than the success routine or the weekly emails. 
This is a rhythm of success, and it's a transformational approach. And so is all we're asking you to do and inviting you to do is focus on one principle and get one action item that you can do that week with your family, personally, or as a team. And then when you've gone through it once, you go through the 12 again. And this is a continuous process that we do really the rest of our lives. So think about this as a company. How could you sit down with your teams? If you already have a weekly meeting, that's a great place to do it. If you're not already having a weekly operations meeting, I would invite you to start. You start that meeting with a vision, and then you focus on the principle for five to 10 minutes that you're going to look at that week and ask, what can you do? And then you go into what are the two to three highest priority items and any coordination that needs to happen within the team. It can be a 30 to 40 minute meeting if it needs to be. <clears throat> so that's part of the success rhythm is establishing that within an organization. Now you will create a culture by design rather than a culture by default when you start doing this as a leader. Well, how about in a family? What if you started getting your family together once a week? It could be on a Sunday. It could be on a Monday. It could be whatever day works best for you. And for just a few minutes during that family activity, you had your kids teach the principal that week. See, that's transformation. And maybe the light won't come on the first time through. So back to the executive uh, coaching client. They've been through the 12 principles once. Yeah, great impact. Now what? A second time. Go through a third time. If you just do one a week, that takes you through four cycles a year. And maybe it's the fifth time that the light comes on. Maybe it's the 12th time. And then all of a sudden the light clicks on and there's a real transformation that starts to happen. My guarantee is that a person who focuses on those will start to find what they are seeking from life if they have the mindset and willingness to work on it. So what I'm going to do for the remainder of this podcast is just simply go through and ask some introspective questions and let's evaluate. How are we doing? Uh, because I sat down, I kind of typed these out on my computer thinking, okay, so this person has been through them once. And he said, what now? We've been through the 12 principles each once a week. It took us, you know, about three months or so. Now what? And so does he really think that that's it? Building and maintaining trust, being an effective communicator. Is that a skill that we just master by going through it once? So I just introspectively wrote some different questions down as I evaluated my own life. And I'm going to take five to 10 minutes and ask these questions as you evaluate your own life. And it's just simply to illustrate, look how much there is to do. <laughs> this is not a daily, weekly thing. This is something that's going to go for a lifetime. And that's the spirit of good, better, best. Never let it rest. Till the good is better and the better is best. And so let's start with principle number one. I'll work our way through the different principles. And I'm going to ask you some questions both personally and professionally for each principle just to see how you're doing. And in that spirit, say, you know what? That would be awesome if I focused on that this week. Yeah, you're right. What if we did that? What impact would that have? So let's get started with these introspective questions. Hang with me. If something doesn't apply to you, let's go to the next question and see if it does. So be true to character, principle number one. Personally, are you honest in all your dealings? Are you loyal to the absent? In other words, not talking about someone when they're not there. Uh, if you think about that, how do you feel when someone talks negatively about another person and they're not around? Kind of makes you wonder if they'll do the same about you when you're not around, doesn't it? So are you loyal to the absent when they're not there? Can people count on you to do what you say you will do? Now, professionally, if you're a manager, if you're a leader of any type in an organization, in your team, do the employees clearly understand the expectations regarding discrimination, sexual harassment, etc.? And if someone does see a violation 
of character happen? How do they bring it up? Have you communicated that as a leader? In other words, what's the channel? Is there an anonymous box? Is there an 800 number? Do you have an open door policy? And are you leading from the top if you're the manager? Are you the one who's setting the bar and you never fudge the numbers no matter what? You are always true to character. Because if an employee sees that you just fudge a number once or twice, they're going to follow suit and that has a ripple effect throughout the organization. We have a friend in Iowa running a company. Uh, it's not a large organization, fairly small, maybe 50 to 60 employees. And one of those employees got into a relationship with another. It was against company policy. Everyone knew it. And they saw that this was going on, yet they said nothing to the CEO, who was the only person that didn't know it was happening. Well, this relationship went south. One of the employees quit. She filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against the company. And she won the lawsuit for $1.2 million dollars. <laughs> now imagine the impact if you were on that team. It almost shut down the company. What would be the impact on a small business to lose $1.2 million to a frivolous lawsuit like that that could have been prevented had they lived this principle within their teams? What the CEO acknowledged later that he didn't do. He didn't create the climate. When people saw something, there wasn't a culture of standing up and speaking out. So no one said anything. They said, well, they're adults. They'll make their own decisions. So as a leader and a manager, these are our responsibilities to set the bar to clearly communicate them and ensure they're followed. And if you do that well, if someone does bring a lawsuit or something like that against you, you're pretty well protected against something like that if the expectations were clear. All right, principle one, be true to character. Principle number two, lead with a vision. So personally, do you have a written personal vision that gets you excited? <laughs> when I ask this question in our seminars, less than 1% of the hands go up. And a personal vision is kind of like if you had a Ferrari and you were going to take that Ferrari on a two-week road trip, how would you know where you're going if you don't have a destination? In other words, where are you going to end up? Well, who knows? Putting a destination in the GPS of the Ferrari is kind of like developing a personal vision in your life. It gets you excited. It gives you a direction. And now there's a purpose so that every morning you're excited to get out of bed because you're one step closer to making that vision a reality. So do you have a written personal vision that gets you excited? If you do, when was the last time you read it? Do you have it memorized? <laughs> now how about professionally? If you're a manager or a team leader of any kind, what's the vision for your team? Now you may have an overall organizational vision. Do you have a vision for your specific team that supports that vision? And if you don't, you absolutely should have one. You're giving direction to your team as a leader. And if you do, does everyone on your team understand it? And does it provide clear direction for the team? Well, when was the last time you had a discussion about how each of their roles supports that vision? And if you were meeting as a team this week, maybe you could ask, what could each person do this week in their role to better support that vision? One specific action, what would that be? See, what impact would that have? That's not a one-time through thing. That's an ongoing thought process. All right, principle number three, manage with a plan. So personally, do you have clearly written goals for this year? And if you do, have you shared them with others? In our seminars, when I ask that question, less than 10% of people will raise their hand that they have clearly written goals. When I ask how many people have shared them, now we're down to about 1% to 3%. This, we'll go back to the Ferrari example, goals and plans are like putting an engine in the Ferrari. You may have a great GPS and you have the direction or the destination in there, which is the vision. But when you go to turn on the ignition and hit the gas, 
If there's no engine, it doesn't move. <laughs> and that's what the goals do. That's what the plans do is they put the engine in the Ferrari. That's where you get your power and the focus are from the goals. And yet there's a lot of people that don't set those. 90, we are 90% more likely to accomplish something when you have a clearly written goal, yet on average only 10% of people have clearly written goals. Now, if you already have some goals, when was the last time you reviewed them? And I would suggest that you review them every week when you do your pre-week planning. And here's another question. If you have come up with goals, have you gone as far as looking at what are the obstacles that keep you from achieving each goal? And how will you overcome those obstacles? I mean, that's a fighter pilot thinking right there is here's the target. What are some of the threats or obstacles to keep us from the target? How do we overcome those? And you start to eliminate them making your goals become very realistic. All right, now professionally, does your team have a rhythm and are they aligned? Now, when I say a rhythm, I'm talking about all the way from the top with the vision. I mean, this is a full half-day seminar right here, by the way, <laughs> in the next 30 seconds. Do they have a vision? Do they have standards that really set and define the culture? Do they have TIGs, totally inspirational goals, out for the next two to five years. So an incredible company in the Philippines that we've been working with, Sabuana Luyers, uh, they service one in 15 Filipinos throughout the world. Their TIG, totally inspirational goal, is to service one in three Filipinos in the next couple of years. That's a huge jump and incredibly awesome TIG, totally inspirational goal. So what are your TIGs for your team? How about your annual goals? Everybody on your team should have annual goals all the way down to quarterly goals. What are the quarterly goals of each team member on your team? What are the KPIs that they relate to, the key performance indicators, the lifeblood of your team? And when they do have those goals, how are they shared and how do you track them? Is there a dashboard of some sort? Now on a team, once you have those goals, do you have specific who, what, when on how are you going to accomplish those? So just like you did with your personal goals, what's the plan to accomplish them? So imagine vision, that's high level, goals, fairly specific, shouldn't be more than one sentence, and then you have the plan on how to accomplish those. That's principle number three. That certainly is not a one-time through thing, is it? <laughs> and imagine the impact, by the way, if you can do this with your kids. My 14-year-old son has some goals written and typed out, and they sit right next to his bed. Same with my 11-year-old daughter and my 9-year-old daughter. Uh, my six-year-old daughter hasn't quite started thinking about it yet. <laughs> but it's amazing what it drives, even in a 9 and 11 and 14-year-old. So transformational leaders, do this with your kids. A leader is a parent, right? All right, principle number four, prioritize your time. Personally, do you feel like a firefighter? In other words, do you feel like you're just running from fire to fire to fire? Well, one of the best ways to avoid that is pre-week planning. Again, if you've listened to podcasts or been through a seminar, you would now be familiar with pre-week planning. You may already have a Becoming Your Best yearly planner. If you don't, I invite you to go to our website and invest in one. So if you do have those assets, those tools, are you doing your pre-week planning every week? If so, what, ways, what ways could you make it better? Now, as part of your time management, do you review your annual goals when you do your pre-week planning? And do you ask, what can I do this week to help me accomplish some of those annual goals on, at a personal level? That's a powerful part of it. And are you making the time for what's most important every week, or do you just feel like you're running around from fire to fire to fire? Well, if we feel like a firefighter, then it comes back to pre-week planning. 
and starting every morning with what are my two or three top priorities today and what would stop me from accomplishing those. Now, professionally as a leader, here's a few other questions. When was the last time you wrote an email to a customer or coworker telling them you appreciate them? <laughs> Transactional leaders don't tend to do that because it's just simply fire to fire. It's hard for us. We tend to get sucked into that transactional world, right? A lot of us do. That's a thing that happens as a result of shifting to be a transformational leader. Pre-week planning is a great tool to do something like that. When was the last time you called someone to simply wish them a great day and thank them for the chance to work together? When was the last time you took a coworker or a customer to lunch? And as a manager or leader, are you having a weekly operations meeting to create that alignment with your team that we talked about? Focusing on what are their two or three priorities in the weekly principle that week? So those are some things you can do as a manager, leader, to help people start thinking about how to prioritize their time on your team. And those first two questions I asked about taking someone out to lunch, talking to them about how you appreciate them, those are simply indicators of whether we're on the transactional or transformational side of the ledger. And they're good, they're good ways to assess where we're at. All right, principle five, live the golden rule. Personally, how do you treat other people especially those who can do nothing for you in return. It's not that hard sometimes to treat people well who can really do something great for you. How do you treat other people who can do nothing for you in return? How many times a day do you compliment people? And how do you treat your spouse and children? So the question is, what can you and I do better? Again, let's go back to why we're having this podcast. I've been through the 12 principles. Is that it? Well, no. <laughs> As we can clearly see in this principle, treating people right is something that is ongoing. It's a constant thought process for us. Well, professionally, as a manager, what are you doing to create an incredible customer experience? What is the process in place to do that? So, for example, how do people answer the phone and interact with the customer? Are part of your standards, remember I said standards, right under the vision, are part of your standards to first find out their name? Do they smile? Do they say thank you at the beginning and the end of the conversation? That's part of a culture. Do you know people's birthdays and anniversaries? And if you do, do you call them? Do you send them a personal gift? It's been amazing to call people on their birthdays. They'll say, you know what? You're the only person who's called me today <laughs> outside of their family. People don't forget those kind of things. Again, transactional versus transformational. This is something that's an ongoing effort. And when was the last time you took an employer, employee, or coworker to lunch to get to know their story, just to get to know them personally? And how do you reward your employees for positive behavior? I mean, as we listen to those questions, all of us should be saying, you know what? I could do better in those areas. Good, better, best, right? All right, principle number six, halfway there, build and maintain trust. Personally, do you do what you will say you do? Excuse me, do you say and do what you said and meant? And do you do it on time? How about this? Can your spouse and kids trust you 100% when you're away from them? Do your actions in private and in public align with your personal vision? And when was the last time you actually sat down and thought about specific things you could do to build trust with the most important people in your life rather than just transactionally going from day to day? All right, now, professionally, do you know the story of your employees and coworkers? It's a question I just went back to a little earlier. It's easier to trust someone who you know. How about your key customers? Do you know them well? Do you know their story? Do you know what keeps them up at night? Oh, this is a big one. <laughs> Do you respond to email and voicemail quickly? Now, there's a difference between being tied to our phone like a slave and not responding at all. 
So I'm not suggesting that we simply respond immediately and always have our phone in hand because that sucks us into the firefighter world. Rather, I am suggesting that there should be a standard within your team, four hours, six hours, you know, never longer than 12 hours do we wait before responding. How many times have you sent an email to someone and they, and they don't respond? How do you feel? And if they don't respond a second time, now how do you feel? It quickly erodes trust, doesn't it? So that's a powerful one. How about this? Do you follow through and keep your word? Do you meet and beat deadlines on budget? And if it's not going to be, do you communicate that early on so that there's a clear expectation? All right, principle number seven, be an effective communicator. And then we're going to speed these up here a little bit here. All right, personally, have you practiced the five steps to become a master listener, especially acknowledging someone and repeating back what they say? In other words, do you truly listen without trying to problem solve? That's pretty tough to do, isn't it? <laughs> do you feel... Well, and here's the real measure. Do other people feel like you actively listen to them? And boy, that's one that almost everyone, including me, can work on and do better in the spirit of good, better, best. Professionally, do you know the power of words? Which words trigger a by response and which words trigger, trigger a negative response? Do you have a true method for giving and getting receiving feedback from your team? In other words, when was the last time you did a continue start stop with your organization? What would you like us to continue doing, start doing, and stop doing? Are you communicating features or benefits to the customer? Does your communication and marketing efforts focus on we and I, or is it centered around you and your and they and what they can see and benefit from? And when was the last time you sat your team down to role play listening skills? You cannot service someone's needs or wants if you don't truly understand them, and you cannot understand them unless you listen to what their vision is. All right, principle number eight, innovate through imagination. When was the last time personally you took time to step away and go on a walk in nature to just to think about your own life. When was the last time you tried mind mapping to solve a personal challenge? And how often do you take time to sit back and let your imagination just go with possibilities? Professionally, when was the last time you got your team together to take 5 to 20 minutes to brainstorm a real-world issue? See, that's another transformational thing, right? Transactional, we don't do that because we're just fire to fire. What did you do, if you have done that, what did you get from that brainstorm and how did you act on it? Is your setup for your team conducive to innovation? For example, if you have everyone stuck in cubicles and offices, that is not conducive to innovation. Rather, when you have people sitting next to each other or back to back without the walls, that's where people can communicate. And that's a great way to foster innovation. If you look at Facebook and Google, great lessons be learned from the millions of dollars they spent on how to set up an infrastructure that fosters innovation. And how about this? When was the last time you had a cross-pollinated brainstorm with people outside your team? All right, good questions, aren't they? <laughs> they certainly cause us to think. Be accountable, personally. How many times this week have you blamed someone else? How much energy have you spent this week focusing on something you cannot control? A spouse, a child. We can influence them, but we can't ultimately control them. How about someone else, a competitor, an employee, a coworker? How many times in the past few months have you found yourself using time and energy on something that was out of your control? And do you consistently use the word I, or is it a shifting the blame to someone else? Now, professionally, what is the culture of accountability that exists on your team? Do you have a relationship agreement in place with your employees and coworkers? If you do, when was the last time you reviewed that with them? If you're not familiar with the relationship agreement, you can read that in our book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. If you've been in a seminar, you'll find that in your participant guide. 
What would be the impact if you got your team together and simply asked this question? What can we as a team do to increase accountability? See, that'd be a nice one to go. So maybe that's the third or fourth time you get around to principle nine, be accountable on your weekly meetings. And that's when you ask that question. All right, principle 10, apply the power of knowledge. Personally, how many books have you read so far this year? How often do you read? Is it part of your daily routine? How many seminars have you invested in and attended this year? Notice I didn't say paid for. That's an investment. If we see it that way, we have a lot easier time stroking that check or credit card because we know it will pay a dividend. So have you invested in a personal or executive coach? If so, have you implemented what you discussed with them? Do you listen to audiobooks or podcasts when you're on the road or office? Well, by virtue of you listening to this podcast, the answer's got to be yes to that one. <laughs> How can we even do better? And what knowledge do you need to be successful and achieve your dreams? I mean, think about that. What is your dream? Well, what knowledge do you need to make that a reality? And how are you going to get that knowledge? That's what high achievers and great leaders do. They figure out what they need to know and they go learn it. So professionally, as a manager or leader, when was the last time you did an external environment analysis with your team? Looking at the threats, the opportunities that exist around you. When was the last time you invested in your employees to train them? to give them the additional tools, mindset, and skill set? And how are you helping your employees with reading and development? So really, the same thing that you did personally, what knowledge do they need to be the best in the world, and how are you helping them get it? All right, principle number 11, live in peace and balance. Personally, when was the last time you used positive self-talk? As simple as, I feel healthy, I feel happy, and I feel terrific. <laughs> and you can get that on some of our other podcasts, that whole entire discussion. How about the simple phrase, what a blessing. You know, you turn any situation into a positive by simply asking or saying, what a blessing. And have you done the circle of peace and balance activity in the last three months to assess where you are today? For example, how do you feel right now? Are you stressed, at peace, upset? How balanced do you feel right now? And how much time have you taken for yourself in the last month to quietly meditate or ponder and center your life? professionally, when was the last time you had your employees or co-workers do that same circle of peace and balance activity? 30% of employees feel like they've used all their energy by the end of the day and they're stressed out. Well, you can help influence that as a leader, right? Have them take an assessment. Have them do that simple activity. And how do you help them turn a negative into a positive to create a fun work environment? Have you asked them, what can we do to increase morale on the team? How do we make this a better work environment? Again, you see, <laughs> the spirit of this is good, better, best. All of us should be thinking, man, I can certainly do better here as a leader. And that's the idea. One time through the 12, another time through the 12 principles, a third and a fourth. And this is an ongoing effort in creating a culture by design. All right, the last principle is never give up. So personally, how many times this week have you heard that little negative voice in your head? How many times have we given place for that mental conversation? Or have you replaced it with something else, something positive? In this last year, is there something you've wanted to try but didn't because of a fear of failure or because maybe you were too busy? So what's something that you could do that would be truly amazing, but you haven't done it yet? What would that be? And professionally, think about this from the perspective of a manager or leader. Do you reward or punish failure in your team? Because if we're punishing failure, we're stifling not only innovation, but the ability for people to try something new and they just will get right into the norm. <clears throat> now, why is that important in sales? Did you know that 50% of people will give up after the first contact 
90% of sales are made after five contacts, yet 80% give up after four. Most people are giving up, and yet the sale goes to those who have the tenacity to go the fifth, the sixth, the seventh call or visit. That's why this is one of the things we heard over and over from the great leaders and high achievers is they never gave up. Even when it got hard, they found a way to succeed. And not only that, it's also an organization issue. If we lose the contact or lose their phone number, we can't contact them again. So not only the mentality or mindset of never give up, but having the skill set to be organized enough so that you can make that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh contact with them. So when was the last time as a manager you shared something motivational with your team that really gave them a boost? Because that's part of it, right? We all need to have a little bit of motivation here and there. Well, these have been some introspective questions that I came up for myself. And I thought, you know, these would be valuable for everyone. And I'd love to send this to the person who asked that question. I've been through the 12 once. Now what? <laughs> Hopefully, clearly, after this podcast, there is so much more to do, both personally and as a team, that will have a huge impact on the ROI of a business. If we had the chance to sit down face-to-face, -face, I could show you statistically the businesses and leaders who lead their teams by doing these things blow it out of the water compared to the teams who don't. Those who are disruptive, who are out there leading in their industry, are the ones who do these things while those who struggle along in mediocrity keep doing the same transactional things over and over day by day and hope for a different result. And that's why the success rhythm of one principle a week with your family or team is what trains and empowers employees and children with the mindset and the skill set to do what other great leaders and high achievers have done in the past. These are very predictable results, and this is one where you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Now, some of our listeners have recently sent emails and asked about the Breakthrough Leadership Conference that's on the website, becomingyourbest.com. For those who would really like to transform their lives and move closer to achieving their dreams, you can come out to Utah for a two-day Breakthrough Leadership Conference exclusively focused on you and your success. We limit the number of people who attend so that it can be very focused. Uh, you get a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching from both us as well as others who are there who are very accomplished in their own right. It's an incredible experience. So if you would like to come and when you would like to come, go to becomingyourbest.com, click on Programs, and you'll see Breakthrough Leadership Conference. Just click on that link, and then you can register there. If you have any questions about it, feel free to call the number on our website, and we'd be happy to answer those. It will be an incredible experience to help you accelerate the performance in your team, as well as moving closer to your dreams by mastering those 12 principles of highly successful leaders. Well, hopefully this has been beneficial to go through these introspective questions. Remember, this is the spirit of good, better, best. And not being satisfied with where we are today, but asking how can we be a better spouse, a better father, a mother, and a better leader. So to all of you out there, we wish you a wonderful and incredible week. And we will see you again soon. Have a great day. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were. So head on over to becomingyourbest.com. And you can find all the information about the podcast right there, as well as the show notes page, where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. 
So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.